Why do I say constantly and try to live this way, treat everybody like family? I think everybody's going to agree starting out here that everyone was created in the image of God. And while sin has separated us from God, his image and his glory are never completely removed from his humans. Sure. And they should therefore all be treated with love and respect. Okay. Baseline. Yep. Baseline. I agree. Now to take it a little further, Genesis 1, 26, 27, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So right there it is. So minimally, you should treat everybody with complete love and respect because they're image bearers, man. Okay. Now we also believe that the Bible teaches that all humans, peoples, nations share God as their ultimate father. And therefore we see many scriptures, Old and New Testament, that refer to God as the father of all people and all people as offspring, children of God. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. All right. Good to be here. Hey, I am kind of excited today. I got to tell you, this will give you a little insight into to me, who I am. I went out and bought a whole bunch of new fishing gear, all kind of getting set up for saltwater. We moved from the Midwest out here to the Pacific Northwest almost, let's see, what, like 18 years ago or something like that. And I have never reset myself up with new fishing gear, though I've been fishing since I was a little kid. In fact, my tackle box is still full of lures and hooks and a bunch of stuff from my childhood. But when I moved out here, it's not that I haven't done no fishing. And when I travel, I fish, but I've always used other people's things. But this was the year, this was the summer. It's been so nice. And I've had some pretty good fishing experiences here. Recently, I went out and I got a whole bunch of new stuff. And my son gave me a fly rod that he had inherited. I got that all tuned up and ready to go. So yeah, I kind of went from having nothing set up for this area of the country to four poles and a bunch of new flies and gear. And also I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. Uh, anyway, some of you don't care about that at all, but uh, I just sharing what's going on in my heart today. So, Hey, do you listen to the podcast on an Apple device or an iTunes? I know a lot of you do. And if you do, Would you please subscribe so that you get the download every Monday right away, and that way you don't miss it? And if you've not done this yet, would you do me a favor and stop for just a second and rate and review the podcast in iTunes? You know how to do that. You can just, if you're on your phone, you just scroll down, you'll see how to leave a review. Please do that. Give us some stars, review that. It really helps. And I love reading your reviews when they come in. I like to read them right here on the podcast for you to hear back and others as well. So if you've not done that and you are listening on an Apple device, unless you're driving, would you just stop for a second and do that? I would really appreciate that. It helps other people as well because they understand what the show's about and they can hear through your perspective on what benefit you're getting from the Everyday Disciple podcast. So I'll just thank you in advance for taking a few seconds here to bless me and bless others. Hey, and if you're interested in learning more about the full framework for discipleship and mission that we use to make disciples and develop leaders, we do all that through our coaching. And I want to help you with that if you're interested. I would love to kind of set up a short Zoom call with you, get to know you better, get to know your stories, answer any questions you have, and tell you about how the coaching works. And hopefully, maybe get you started with Tina and I soon. We coach as couples and we coach couples 
That's if you're married. If you're single, we'll still coach you. But if you're married, we want you to do that together as couples. You can go and find all the information on that and even set up that little Zoom call if you'd like. All you have to do is go over to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Okay, so today I want to discuss a topic that I get asked about all the time. I think it lately has been the most discussed, messaged, emailed, pushed back, brought up live when I'm training topic Lately, I just keep getting it and keep getting it. And what that's about is people are asking like, hey, you talk about everybody being family or you call everybody brother or we should treat people like family. And they kind of push back because the church has wrongly taught that it's only Christians. It's only someone who says a Jesus in your heart prayer who's the family of God. And they misquote one verse, and I'm going to talk more about that, and they try to build the whole thing. But it's just not the case. And I want to have the heart of God in how I treat others. And I'll tell you, it changes everything about how you approach people, how your time gets spent, how people view you and time with you and your home and your family and all that stuff. So would you uh, take a listen here as Heath and I dig into this? And I think you may be a little surprised by what scripture actually teaches. So would you take a listen as Heath and I dig all of this out? We're going to go deep into Scripture, talk about the whole thing. I kind of want to give a record of it because I get asked about it so often. I think you may also be a little surprised by what Scripture actually teaches. Let's listen. Why don't you tell us where you first got this concept of treating everybody like family in Scripture? Yeah, well, in fact, I think I see it throughout all the Scripture, Heath. It's not yeah. like I ha- I'm going to hang my hat on, like, you should treat everybody like family. Sure. Uh, a scripture. It's actually, it's through everything. Would it be okay if I took a few minutes right here at the top of the show to unpack some of that? Uh, yeah. Per- <laughs> I mean, permission granted. I'm going to go a little bit deep because I've actually been challenged on this. Yeah. That like, no, 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 only Christians are really sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. You know, so you shouldn't treat, you don't have to treat anybody like family. You should sure. treat them more like a target. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> you know, like a goal or whatever. No one, well, no, some people will say that, but let, let me, I hope that we all believe that every human This is where I have to start, okay? Why do I say constantly, like, and try to live this way, treat everybody like family? I think everybody's going to agree, starting out here, that everyone was created in the image of God. And while sin has separated us from God, his image and his glory are never completely removed from his humans. Sure. And they should therefore all be treated with love and respect, okay? Baseline? Yep. Baseline. I agree. Okay? Now, to take it a little further, Genesis 1, 26, 27, then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female, he created them. So, right, there it is. So minimally, you should treat everybody with uh, like complete love and respect because they're image bearers, man. Okay, now we also believe that the Bible teaches that all humans, peoples, nations share God as their ultimate father. And therefore we see many scriptures, Old and New Testament, that refer to God as the father of all people, and all people as offspring, children of God. So, for instance, Deuteronomy 32, 6. Is not he your father who mm. created you, who made you and established you? Yeah. Malachi 2, 10. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Mm. Now, notice there's no, Has do we not all have one father if we've prayed this prayer? Sure. <laughs> has not one God created us after we, yeah. no, it's, these are big, I mean, Malachi, this is big global prophetic sort of statements, yeah, right? Absolutely. Now, so let's just jump to some New Testament stuff, though. Acts 17, 24 to 29. And I'll, I'm going to move through this a little. I won't read every word, but the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. Hmm. 
Okay, so he made the world and everything in it and does not live in temples built by hand, human hands. And he's not served by human hands. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Hmm. And then moving on later, it says, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, hmm. we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image that's made by human design. He's saying that we're all offspring. What's yeah. offspring? It's another word for children. Yep. Now, He's saying this is a worldwide thing. He's not saying this to like people sitting in a church service or whatever. Sure. First Corinthians, Paul speaking, 8, 6 here. He says, there's but what God, the Father, from whom all things come and for whom we all live. Sa same explanation that Paul is giving here is, is exactly what we saw in Acts 17. So it's not just an Old Testament thing or understanding. Here's Ephesians 3, if you need more, okay? I think you need more. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Ephesians 3, 14 to 17. I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Mm. Now, if that's not a familial term. Yeah, what is? Every family in heaven and on earth derives its name from what? The same Father, our yeah. Father, the Father we kneel before. Ephesians 4, 6. There is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Mm. Notice it's not just saying Christian. That's a lot of alls in it, there. That's a lot yeah. of alls. Note, okay, Paul works really hard here and often to make the case to both Jews and Greeks that we are to see this one amazing God as Father and that we're his offspring, mm -hmm. everyone, and that God loves all of his offspring. Yeah. And then I got to give you one last one. It's one of my personal favorites, Hebrews 2.11. But the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Wow. Man, Jesus Amazing. calls himself your brother, bro. <laughs> is that My wild? Brother. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, this isn't metaphorically, because when you add all this up, Old and New Testament, from the creational order forward, we have the same dad. Yep. We're all the offspring. We all bear the same last name. Our all, all our last names should be Godson. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's incredible news already. You know, I would say that- And there's... that's why. I mean, there's my biblical, <laughs> there's my biblical, like, reasoning- yeah, it's for a pretty why good I think we should reasoning. treat everybody like family, yeah. and not metaphorically, like because we actually are. Yeah, absolutely. There would be many that would say that the New Testament. There's also this concept of the second birth, right? Second birth in the kingdom, yeah. whereby those who have trusted in Jesus are adopted anew into God's family, and again they're restored as the children of God. Yeah. What would you say to those people that were that would refer to the second birth aspect? Well, I I think this is largely the point of the conversation that we see that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Let's look at John three. 5 to 7, and then verses 9 and 10. So I'll kind of put them all together. Sure. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Hmm. So that's part of that human family, right? And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Nicodemus said to him, Well, then how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? Hmm. Some translations say these simple things. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, I mean, here's what's going on. He's saying, yeah, there is like this second spiritual birth, but it doesn't remove your familiar connection to God. Sure. It's a like physically, yeah, that's who you are. But spiritually, yep. that's a second birth. That's the being born again. Now, the grace of God brought to us through Christ provides those who have forsaken their spiritual father, like the like, like say the prodigal son, yeah. a way to be adopted anew spiritually as children of God, and thus heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. 
like Romans yeah, 8 absolutely. says, right? So again, just like the prodigal son that we see in Luke, the younger son never stopped being a son to the father. In reality, he was point. still a son, but he lived alienated and separated from the father because of his selfish and his sinful choices. And in that story, we see the father restore his son to full status in the family, the status that he always desired that he'd have. And in fact, in his heart, it never changed for him. Hmm. He was brokenhearted that his son was not living his identity and his authority and his privilege within the family. So now in many ways, we see the exact same picture with the older brother, who while he was living physically close and in proximity to his father, yep. he had a heart issue in a relationship that was far from the father, and he felt like he had to earn his father's love. Oh, so John that's... 1, 12 to 13, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the spiritual children of God. Children born not of natural descent, that's our physical birth and our physical family aspect, but sure. nor of human decision, but born of God. Wow. Okay, so notice that last line is really a gospel presentation. Children born huh. not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So wait a minute, God does it, God did it. God was the one who runs out down the driveway to re- grab the son, put the ring and the robe on and remind him of what's already true of him, restore him to mm-hmm. full status in the family. Always a son, but he wasn't living like he was. Hmm. Okay. That's a beautiful thing. Now, by the way, later in John 11, John's reporting on the religious leaders and their plot to kill Jesus. And he says, uh, then one of them named Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year, spoke up and he said, you know nothing. You, know, you don't know anything at all. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation would perish. John speaking then says, he did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together, make them all one. Wow. It's more like, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's all a, through it, bro. It's riddled with this it's family super talk. super all through it. So we see here this term is used both to refer to those who have been born again of the Spirit, having put their faith and trust in Jesus, yep. but it's also this idea of family or children. It's also referred to the larger children of God of the lost humanity. Huh. It, it, is, it is. And I think what's most interesting here is that all of the New Testament writers focus on one, familial language again and again. They're mm-hmm. always using family language. Brothers, sisters, father, I'm your brother, he's your dad. It's the same last name, all that. And secondly, who God is and how he sees us. Hmm. And then third, the focus on what God has done in and through Christ to yeah. sort of bring us back into the fold so we can enjoy all the stuff that's ours. Dude, I've never seen this so clearly laid out before. Like, it's so convincing. Yeah. So now the question is, if you believe that to be true of yourself, bro, yeah. and everybody listening, then you have to believe it to be true of everybody else. Yeah. And so that's why you go like, oh, we want to treat everyone like family. Yeah. And as someone who knows you and Tina and the family, like, I know that this isn't just stuff you peddle on a podcast, but it is truly the way you live. I see it in our friends and people have history yeah. with you guys. What By you... his grace, man. But like now we know what, no other way to live. Sure. We just, we don't. <laughs> Where did this start for you? Like what changes uh, were necessary for your family to start moving toward believing and treating everybody else as family? Well, I think before our theological understanding caught up with our practice, yeah, God had led us early in our marriage. We always had people around. We just did. I don't know. There was always someone kind of either living on the couch or living in the basement on a mattress or, yeah, sure. you know, we kicked the kids out of their room and now it's this guy's room. And one time we was like, son, we're giving up your room. And there's going to whole family lived in there for like 
Hmm. I don't know, six or nine months, right? Oh, wow. Multiple times. So our kids really didn't know a life without someone else being with us. And we'd always say like, well, they're part of our family now. Hmm. And so that means, yeah, we're going to bear with one another. And sometimes they're going to be in the bathroom first. And, sure. you know, they're going to eat up some of your favorite snacks and you're going to have to share your stuff differently. It was the best possible thing to see and treat other people as family. Even before we understood the theological part of it, hmm. for what it exposed of our own selfishness and fear and weirdness yep. and all that stuff. And so little by little, though, <laughs> as we then started seeing, oh, wait a minute, discipleship happens in all of life. And sure. I'm going to treat people like a brother or sister. And we started asking questions like, you know, that single mom that lives down the street whose house is just like a dump and a mess and she's just angry all the time. What if that was your actual sister mm-hmm. or aunt or something? Would you just be like, Meh. Yeah. Walk the not. other way? Or would you try to do your best to see, is it possible with within what I have? to treat them like family. Sure. Is it possible? Could we? And so that's how it started moving there. And I, I mean, we could spend, we could do a whole series of separate podcasts called, you know, people who lived with us and what it taught us. You <laughs> sure. Know what I mean? Cause it's just, once you start living that way and you see need, you just, yeah. and you see what it, like what you benefit. Cause it's like, it's like experiencing God's treating you like family when you treat other people sure. like family. It really is. It is beautiful, man. I can remember, I can remember one time a guy came, uh, he was, so this is this is a story of, of of a Christian guy, but he was um, he was I think from Sierra Leone. Okay. He was huge, huge black person. Sure. Okay, big black guy, and he was head of a big ministry over there, and he was in the states for something. I had known him from doing work over in Sierra Leone, and he was I'm not kidding you. He was like six four or something, hmm. and like very 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 dark skin, a very deep voice. It was just like a yeah. beautiful, awesome dude, and he came and stayed with us for a little bit. Okay. And I can remember never being so proud of what God was doing in our family. We were starting to kind of get this both both in practice and theologically. But now sure. when Kristen, uh, our second oldest and our first oldest daughter, was probably about seven or eight at the time. Hmm. And th- we didn't have a spare bedroom at that point. So that she was giving up her room for him okay. to stay with us. She took him by his giant finger. And walked in. Can I take you up and show you your room? No way. Yeah, and That's walked awesome. him up. He came down nearly in tears and said, "Like, hey, usually, like kids, especially little white kids, yeah, know, they're just afraid of me." And your daughter like blessed me so much. She oh, took me gosh. upstairs and said, "Here's where this is, and here's where some towels are." And we didn't say, "Hey, like, now when he gets here, you know." Yeah. She just saw him as like, "Oh, you're part of this family now." That's yeah. how we roll. Yeah, man. And I, I, he then he, while there living with us, yep. like not that long, but. Then he, he made this deep connection with my son, yeah. who was just like a couple years older, so maybe 10 or something, 11 or 12 at the time. He wrote my son for years. They wrote oh, back and man. forth. Yeah. It was just beautiful. That's right. Cool. And so when you live like that and you treat other people like family, then you experience like, yeah, we're part of God's family and look how we get to share. And there's always plenty in God's economy. So yeah, sure. we'll sort it. We'll work it out. My That's kids beautiful. don't look back at the time like, yeah, you kicked us out of our room that time for that guy. No it's way. It's the opposite. And you know what? They all live exactly the same way now. Yeah. They really do. Yeah, they're good kids. They aren't? really live the exact same way. There's people just floating in and out of their life all the time. <laughs> all right. So this next question I'm going to ask, I know I'll get, I have a couple of friends that are, it's going to ruffle some feathers, and uh, but I have to ask I know this. a guy who I, knows I know a, this guy. I've got some <laughs> close friends that are going to go like, you asked that because you wanted me to listen to the podcast, right? Lay it on me. A lot of families will use the excuse, yeah, but you know, we're really a private family or... uh Something along those lines. Like, we don't, we want to be really safe. We don't want to put our kids in a weird situation. Would you get that? Yeah, there's weird, scary people out yeah, there. Yeah, sure. You're going like, to do life, life is full community. of that. There's a lot of it. But there's a lot, but but we often are taught to mind the thing behind the thing. Yeah. And uh, 
And so I think I know where you're going to go with this, but what would you say to those people who go like, that's really great for some families, but we're really private. Well, I think start by asking yourself why you're so private in your family life. Hmm. Like, you know, are you, maybe you inherited that. Yeah. Maybe there was such levels of dysfunction or self-love and selfishness or fear that you inherited it. Hmm. Or maybe that wasn't how you were raised, but for whatever reason, now you see like my home is my sanctuary. My sanctuary is not Christ. It's my home. Yeah. It's my, 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 this, my time, my. So ask yourself, why are you so private? Ask yourself, are you afraid to let your redemption show? Yeah. Meaning we're not perfect. And if we really let fighting, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. People, I mean, (laughs) all you have to do is hang out with us a little bit. Like we just had a house full of people for three or four days. Yeah. Everybody probably saw Tina and I disagree, not get along, maybe short with her, her to like send me away. But then they also see us like forgive and like love on each other and, and you know, it's all of that. And then, or, you know, ask for forgiveness in front yep. of people. Like when you blow it in front of people, you should like fix it in front of people. Yeah. So ask yourself, like, are you afraid of that? Like, mm. So often I think in the church, and I've actually had not yet believers tell me, yeah, all you Christians, I know you're all perfect, but I'm not. Like, yeah. so like, I want people to know I'm not. Yeah, because I want them to know the only hope to have the life we were created to live and to have kids to do grow up and love God and love people well. Sure, the only hope we have is in Christ. It's yeah. only the only hope is to be restored back to believing, like the prodigal son. This is my dad, and nothing I can do can separate me from it. And he's waiting to love on me, right? Sure. And so Jesus gave His entire life for us. Yeah, His entire ministry was all in light of Him heading to a cross, and that was costly. And so, yeah, there's going to be weird people in your life. We've had people staying with us. It's like seriously, or like who come around a lot mm-hmm. where literally we'll sit and talk and go like, would not surprise me if that guy like showed up with like an ax and <laughs> yeah. just killed us all. You know, like yeah. that might be how God takes us back, you know, home. Seriously, there's been those kind of people. We, mm-hmm. You know, we've had homeless people staying with us. We've had people showing yeah. up and they're just in there and then boom, in the morning, where'd they go? All of it. Yeah. I've had stuff stolen out of my house. I still can think of like my favorite leather jacket. It's gone, you know, oh. and all that stuff. But then I think about like, but I've never had anybody rip out my beard and spit in my face and yeah. hit me to a cross and all that. But my, my, my brother, my Lord, he did that for me. Yeah. And so, so like, why are we living so private? Yeah. And I think one of the things that you're not saying, though, somebody might be able to like misinterpret it if they're not paying attention. Okay. Is well, you're just saying never to be alone, and it's very easy to look at the life of Jesus and go, "No, oh, he different. He diff- He didn't invite everybody to everything. That's right. Like, he still included everyone in his family, but he had things that he went off to pray alone. He took three disciples up the mountain alone. I mean, it wasn't everybody's coming oh, yeah. to everything. So maybe just clarify like, that a bit. Yeah, well, just like with my own, my nuclear family part of it. Like, there's times when I'm just with my son, or yeah. there's times when I take my daughters on a date. Yeah. Right? Or Tina and I are out a lot without our kids now because they're grown. Sure. Still a family. House has still got people floating in and out all the time. So yeah, that's right. It, it's very easy, and I'm glad you brought it. It's very up to think like, oh, if you're going to live like this, live like with an open home and treat everybody like family, like family, like really treat them like family, then you can't say no to anything, and they're always going to be like in your refrigerator, and all your stuff's going to be broken and gone and all that. And I've yeah. told the story about our couch getting shot literally with a 45, and <laughs> you know what I mean? And all kinds of crazy stuff. That's not what it means. Because you know what part of being a family and living openly is? Is you could call me or you could stop by at any time. You sure. know I'd be fine with it. Yep. But if I was doing something, I'd say, you know what else I'm fine with? Hey, now's not a great time. Yeah. See you again. Because see, I'm not living for your approval and I'm not I'm not treating you like a family to like manipulate you into liking me or earn something from you or prove to God that I really love people. You know? Sure. Like I'm trying to live it out of a genuine, like God tr- loves and treats me this way. Yep. 
Like he loves and treats me like that. Even when I am prodigal, he's more prodigal. He's like more radically invested in me. And so since I'm not trying to earn anything from God or you, yep. I can also live openly and say, now's not a great time. Yeah, that's great, man. You get to. So how would you say, we often talk about the up and out of this. So as we're mm-hmm. looking at being representatives of Jesus to this world, how do you think the openness of our family and the way we construct our family speaks to outsiders or to people that don't know Jesus as good news? Well, I hope it's already become apparent and obvious, you know, as we've yeah. talked about this. But if, if, for instance, people think God is distant, God's this big mean God, sure. or God's not knowable, you know, like he's like a totem pole or something. Yeah. He's not a personal God. He's not a person. Even the Trinity, it's not a person. God as a father, God as a son, God as a living, breathing human spirit. Sure. But as, it's a person. There's a personality right there. If people don't see God that way, but you treat them like family because God treats you like family. Right. Now it starts to shift their their unbelief that God is distant. And he's not really like a, well, he's like a father, quote unquote, because yeah, he up in the cosmos, he, I guess, sure. big banged everything to existence. So in that sense, it's like mother earth, like mother yeah. nature. <laughs> no, when you treat people like a family, like a brother, like a sister, when you share the things you have, when you let your redemption show, when you open up your goodness and your flaws to people, and you're okay with it, when you seek forgiveness, when you're open about that, all that, then you're showing people like, maybe there's good news for me too. Mm. Like if you get to live that way, and part of your story is that's not how you always were. That was oh. not my bringing up, by the way. Sure. <laughs> At all. Yep, like, my, like my mom had a couple of friends. She had like a sewing club, and we had, I'd see those people like once a month, like six or seven times a year. Okay. My dad only had one friend that I knew of, huh. and a half sort of, see them about once a year. It's just how it was. Wow. There was nobody around from my parents. There was mm. nothing. I can remember one time a family member staying with us. Wow. One time. Very different than yep. the way you live. Yeah. And so I didn't always live this way, <laughs> you sure. know, just from my own heart response. And so when we live open, when we see everything we have is actually dad's who's given it to us for our benefit and pleasure, but also for his glory and to show the world what he's like. He's generous. He's patient. He's open. There's always a place at his table. Yeah. When we live that way, I think that's helping people move from unbelief to believe about what God's like, i.e. glorifying God. Yep. We get to. Yeah, we get to. Hey, let's get to the big three takeaways from this episode. If nothing else, you don't want to miss these three things, sort of like the big three things not to miss. That's why we call them the big three. And as always, every week, I'll send you the printable PDF of this. If you'd like the big three, I'll print it out for you. It's a downloadable PDF. All you have to do is go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. That's everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. And we'll send it right out to you. Caesar, what are the big three for this week? Okay. First one, God has always seen you as his beloved child and part of his forever family. Hmm. He's always seen you that way. He created you eternal. (laughs) You will live forever with him or separate. (laughs) He is your perfect father and Jesus is your brother. So do you believe that? Regardless of how imperfect Our earthly families may have been or are. We have a perfect, eternal family, and our position in that family is now secured by Jesus. We have a perfect father, and that's our family forever. Secured not by us, not by our good works, but by Jesus. It's good news, man. Super good news. Super good news. Second, being a part of God's family comes with authority and privilege. Hmm. I, I I really believe that, and I think Scripture teaches that. Live your life like a son or daughter of the king. 
Yeah. Like, think about that. <laughs> Your father owns everything. He holds nothing back from you. And this also allows you to live outrageously generous lives with others. And just as God shared his greatest, most valuable asset, quote unquote, of his son, Jesus, we too can share all of life with others, trusting God for our safety and our stuff, and also trusting him for every outcome. Wow. Remember Romans eight twenty eight: all things work together for the good of those who love him. Hmm. Those are being called according to his purpose. And you've been called his child. Wow. Already have. Love that. Third, treating others like their family is an extension of the good news to others. Like Hmm. we just talked about that. Don't miss that. A place at your table is a place at our dad's table. Yep. Our heavenly father's table. Sharing your resources, your home, your time is sharing all that God has given you. We're all born naked with nothing. So sharing all that stuff is sharing God's stuff. For your pleasure, because he loves you, but also for his glory, so that the world would know him and love and trust him. Oh, those are great takeaways, man. Big three, man. Don't miss those, if nothing else. So, Thank you. You're welcome, brother. I hope those are encouraging and challenging to folks. Now, let me ask everyone, do you have certain people in life that you seem to worry about what they think of you or your opinions or your performance or your choices? Some people even more than others, right? Well, next week, we're going to explore why we're so caught up with what others think of us and why maybe we need to stop worrying about it so much. I think you'll find freedom in this, and I hope you'll be there. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day. 